You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 7 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's Brad Rothschild. Hey, what's going on? You know, I'm not as, uh, usually when I do the intro, like I'm a little bit more upbeat, but it's been tough in the last few weeks to be like carefree and upbeat with the intro and be like, yeah, we're going to talk about some serious shit right now. This is dark, dark times, man. These are. Dark. These are. I mean. It also doesn't help that it gets dark at five o'clock in the afternoon. Oh my God. (laughs) Do you know what when I, I was at Vassar, I used to get seasonal affective disorder because one, it was dark, and, and then, and then like after Christmas break, um, you'd come back and it would be like cold and gray and snowy or rainy yeah. until March, yeah, like sucks. nonstop, and you you were never outside except you were just going from one building to the other, and by the time spring break rolled around, I was freak of nature i just was like i need to get the fuck out of here i need to get the fuck out of here get me out of here get me fuck out of here i gotta get the fuck out of here that's why you should have gone to a warmer school no, i would have i would have failed like out in emory i would have I failed out i don't think it would have failed out but you i would have a good time have been, you know, uh, yeah last whatever. night we went out it was like 6 30 at night and it's it's like pitch black I, <laughs> like, I feel like we're in the middle of the night i know lauren had a 7 45 dinner reservation i'm like yawning yeah it's awful Oh. Yeah, yeah. But, and then I hate when you go someplace. Is coming. Yeah. What are you guys doing? We're gonna uh, we're gonna be here. Yeah, we're laying nothing, low. Nothing too. Nothing too. I think extra I declared in August. I, re- I I will not travel. Oh, is that right? Only to be reminded six times I did that last year and we didn't travel. <laughs> yeah, traveling on the Thanksgiving weekend is for suckers. We often, if like we're going to my sister's or my mom's, we'll get yeah. up like five o'clock on Thursday morning. On Thursday, that's on Thursday so- morning, and like roll out of here and be at at our destination by like nine in the morning because yeah. there's no we- one on the roads. That's the best right. time to go. Wednesday's the worst time to go. The day I before, think tu- isn't Tuesday the either one? Uh, you you yeah. know, if you're in an airport on Tuesday or Wednesday, God help you. Oh my God! And it's supposed to be crappy weather on the East Coast. Is that Suckers. Right? I haven't even looked. What's yeah. it supposed to be like? Not like, snowing. No, 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 like rainy. Like like mm-hmm. but travel disruption potential really? rain. Will it impact the Mace, will it impact the Macy's Day parade? No, Thanksgiving Day is supposed to be dry. Oh, but the the parade will be fine. Do you know that in my, my I mean, we must have discussed this Every year at Thanksgiving, my father would get us up and take us to the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Every year. I went a couple of times. I wouldn't say I went every year. The one time I remember going the most is Thanksgiving 1978. And you know who was riding down? Ron Gidges? Very close. Bucky Dent. Bucky Dent. Of course. Bucky Dent. Yankee hero. I don't. I don't. I don't remember that one. Oh, I do. I'll never forget that. My grandfather wow. and my grandfather. Yeah. Or as your as your nephews call him, Bucky fucking Dent. 
Oof. Yeah. Whatever. What an epic season that was. But Unbelievable. That, I mean, that's only like 75 years ago. So I, I know. And then we that, have we do we have there are there are things to talk about other than the obvious. I mean, there was con- there was controversy in Yankee Land this week. There was. Yeah, I mean, the New York Post was all over it. I don't know how many articles they wrote about it. Because that's the only sports I read. That's it. The New York you Post only... is really good sports, man. I, I've stopped looking at it entirely. Although, so this week, the controversy was Brian Cashman, the general manager of the Yankees. Who should not be the general manager anymore. Who longer. has, yeah, he's outlived his usefulness in that job. <laughs> I mean, what was the last um, time the Yankees won the World Series? 2009. 2009. So yes. wait, now this is we're we're getting to like the point the longest where drought in Yankee history. Uh, yes, took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, well, I knew I could see the wheels in your head were moving. <laughs> you're like, wait, how long has it been? Yeah, because if you I remember, was like, wait a second, I got to do, and then I was like, and then it was seventy eight, and then like yeah. seventy eight to ninety six, seventy eight to ninety six, and now we're two thousand nine to twenty twenty three. Yes. Wow. And we seem to be regressing. Well, so, and then he we, did. He, so the, the controversy is he called out Giancarlo Stanton for being for being, for being a hurt. Puss, well, a wuss. He gets hurt. I think it's he all the time. Legitimate. I think it's not like some of these guys, like Jacoby Ellsbury, where you're like, wait, the guy got hurt and he got hurt again, and then when he was rehabbing, he pulled a muscle in his right, little toe, right, right. and now he's not okay. playing anymore. I feel like Giancarlo Stanton. Is a physical freak where he's like six foot seven, two hundred and seventy pounds. He's like too big, and he's too big. He's too jacked, right? When you're jacked like that, he's fragile. You don't have a lot of flexibility. You're really yeah. flat. He, he yeah. needs yoga, man. I'm sure he's doing yoga. Giancarlo Stan needs yoga. Yeah, but it doesn't help when the general manager calls you <laughs> out for being legitimately hurt. Okay. So, yes, part of his game is that in the last couple of seasons, he has been hurt. Well, guess what? There have been a lot of hurt players on this team over the last few years. Right. Well, they have to do something about their training and strength uh, departments. But well, they have to do something about as you a previously lot of pointed out to me, As yes. you previously pointed out to me, it was um, Brian Cashman who traded for Giancarlo Stanton. Right. I mean, again, I mean, of course, that doesn't gonna... obligate him to be quiet when he's disappointed with the guy. No, but it doesn't. It doesn't help your your cause at all when you are publicly calling out your players and embarrassing them and humiliating no, them in the press. Because who is going to want to play for you when they know that that's how you get treated? Uh, that's a that's a very good point. That's a problem. I mean, right. how motivated if you're Giancarlo Stanton? You know, you could take the the tact of, well, I'm going to show him. I'm going to change my regiment. I'm going to work out differently, and I'm not getting hurt this year. Right, or right. you can say, you know what? Fuck you. Right, right. And quite frankly, he's got a guaranteed contract. So, and he's guaranteed for the next four years. So, I, if I you're know in what his shoes, well, plus, <laughs> plus, you're seeing that they're not putting a top quality product out on the field around you. So, you know, it goes both ways. I don't know what they're. T- I, I uh, whatever. It's not good. The it's situation not good. is not good, and it, it doesn't feel like. They're taking it seriously enough to make any. Well, I think it wasn't wasn't Cashman's point. Like, oh, actually, you know, the Yankees are were actually really good, 
and lots of injuries and right so exactly well, going back to right. the injury thing yeah so okay that's true he assembled a team that on paper looked decent but everybody got hurt a bunch of guys got older as mm. you know naturally that happens and their analytics department quite frankly sucks mm. they're looking I, at the wrong stats completely i, I mean i, I don't know like, i remember too. I, I understand, so you know, baseball has changed, and now you're looking at launch angle, and you're looking at odd base percentage, and you're looking at win over replacement value, and all that shit. But let me tell you something. It goes too far. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's I all. Don't remember, I don't remember when we were kids it being acceptable for anybody to be batting below two hundred. Right. And, and right. As a, that's the thing. And it's like, fan, oh, but he gets on base. He no, but as a, 200. That is a, not Major League Baseball quality baseball. As a fan, your eyes can tell when people just don't deliver. Like, okay, so the guy, you know, he's got the on-base percentage of whatever. But when they're runners on base, they're striking out. Sucks. I mean, look, conversely, you got a guy who's not on the Yankees, but who would fit in very well with the Yankees, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. It's first name Kyle, right? Schwarber. Yeah. 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 Right? From the Phillies. Yeah. This guy strikes out 200 times a year. That's around 200, but has 45 home runs every year. Yeah. So, again, if that's what Giancarlo Stanton was delivering year after year, I think the Yankees would live with that. But right. the fact is, he misses 50 to 70 games a year and, and he's he batting batted 190. 190. And with like 20 home runs or 15 right. home runs. I mean, that sucks, dude. That sucks. Yeah. But you can't blame him for all of the woes of the team. Cannot. But you I can blame Yoga, Brian five Cashman. days a week. I can blame Brian Cashman for all this. But you know what? All right. This is a rant that is kind of a, <laughs> you know, it doesn't My fit My father was allowed to be writing letters to, to Brian Cashman. To Brian Cashman. Steinbrenner complaining about Cashman. Saying fire this guy? Do you think... Hal would respond to your dad? No. No. Nobody responds. There's no accountability. With this so team, pissed. there certainly is no accountability. No, there's no we've accountability talked about anywhere. This. Well. Anywhere. No. Anyway. Well, this is nice to talk about something other than... We're sounding cranky. Dude. We should call you... this podcast the... Too Cranky Old Man. <laughs> too, too Cranky Old. We knew it was going this way when we launched it. Knew it. I mean, eventually you're going right. to get old and cranky. Like that's exactly. just it's um, a, it's a genetic uh, solid. It's just going to happen. But like I said, it's nice to talk about something other than the you know the, the war, war in Israel and you know, Gaza. Yeah, it's kind of hard to talk about anything else because that is what completely dominates everybody's conversations all the and time. And I really thought the new. I mean, the news cycle has shifted a bit. It's but it's still pretty a little bit. It's still like I mean I haven't really watched a lot of the network the twenty four hour news network. No, I stopped watching all that. Um, but if if you put it on, it's still it's still pretty prominent. It's not like it was in the first month where I I was super busy with media interviews and so on and so forth. Like I in fact I was supposed to be on a CNN show. They like canceled me twice because they wanted to cover politics, and I was like, that's cool. Um, right. but I guess that's a good sign that well, I mean, it's not a good sign. It's out. just, it's just that it's become like kind of, I don't, I don't want to say the background noise, but it, be, 
it's become part of the the landscape now. It's a store to cover, not the only store to cover. So, but, but, but it's still, still even so, it's, dominating. it's dominating everybody's conversation. Um, yeah, I had lunch this week with a Singaporean diplomat, and she was telling me that she'd been here for three years. She's leaving in January, and she told me she's never seen anything like this. Like where, no matter what setting that she's in, people are talking about the war between Everywhere. Israel and Hamas. Every- Look, you can't avoid it. And, you know, you if you you walk out on the street and you see the signs and yeah. you see the signs torn down right. and then you see this, the signs put up about the people tearing down the signs, the signs. and then you see the counters to that. Wait, and are there signs about, about people? There, there are signs about the people who are tearing down the signs, like yes. naming and shaming? Not na- No, 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 no. First of all, only when there are videos are people shamed. They're not right. named, but they're saying, like, be on the lookout for this person Right, who, right. You know, was tearing down signs. But the last few days when I've been outside and I've seen mm-hmm. um I've seen these the signs, there was one uh and I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Amongst all the signs, there was another sign that said, Tearing down these posters is not pro Palestinian. It's just hateful and anti human. Okay. Which I, I liked. I, I can get behind that. Yeah, totally. And then there was another one, a sticker that people put on top of the defaced sign that says, the person who tore this poster supports the murder, rape, and mutilation of Jews. Shit. Yeah. And then, of it's course, raw, you have the, the counter stickers that are like, 10,000 Palestinians have been killed. Or now, well right. past or that number. The number. Well, right. again, the number changes every day, obviously. Right. And it's not good. So everybody is on edge. Everybody is completely everybody on, is edge. on edge. I, I had a I had an explanation for this. I actually got a question about this, and I don't think it was it was one of the programming things that we did at work. And I said that I think the intensity of the I don't really want to call it a debate because debate is like a give and take. But the intensity of the protests the du- and the counter protests, the, du- the dueling monologues, the dueling monologues or the dueling narratives, but the intensity yeah. with which people feel it is, I think, a function of something much larger than this conflict. And it's something that's been happening in the United States for quite some time. And that's the loss of our societal bearings, the things that we don't, we no longer agree on a certain set of principles and values and norms. You saw that during the pandemic, you saw it during the Trump era. And now you're seeing it in this kind of primal screams on either side of uh, of this conflict. Everything's so, been completely politicized. Every and then, single and thing. then like the, the pressure on firms and companies who have like no nothing whatsoever to do with it to make some sort of statement about it. I was yes. telling my I was telling one of my friends I want to start a consulting firm called STFU LLC, where people come to me and say, We need to make a statement. And I'm gonna say, Shut the fuck up. Don't say anything. That's but and you, you get charged a thousand dollars an hour for that advice. I feel like that's a fair price for that advice. Yeah. But but there are lots of organizations, particularly uh, not necessarily companies, but like nonprofit organizations that do good work and that are involved with human rights stuff and what have you. Right. But that like are, that that there are there is pressure from their backers and from their supporters right. to come out. With, and take a stand on this. Right. Well, but then, you know what? Two, two things. And I have a great example of that. One is 
if they feel that they need to make a, a this happened with a friend of mine who's a, the CEO of a important uh, nonprofit corporation um, where he felt the pressure to do it and he put out a statement and people went were totally dissatisfied for it and then I yeah. actually I wrote out the, I, I told him what he should have said uh-huh. and then at his next board meeting say that written into the bylaws is that we don't take an institutional position on anything and that but there is a, a situation that's uh, happening in here in Maryland, there's a NGO called CASA. CASA is dedicated to helping immigrants in Maryland, predominantly immigrants from Latin America. Uh-huh. Um, thus, the name CASA means house in Spanish, right? And the Twitter account, which I, I believe is controlled by the executive director, uh, like went on this like. Free Palestine, Israel's a colonial settler, really? apartheid state, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then the tweets were taken down, and then he sort of, and then the organization said, if our words caused any hurt. And so now there's this big controversy because one of the ways in which this organization is funded is through state and county oh, funds. So now they're going to lose that. So, well, they've, and so there was a, there's a family foundation that is a Jewish family foundation, not political at all. They had consistently given this organization that, and these are people who were, you know, their family are immigrants and they thought yeah, this was a I good $150,000 grant. They said, look, these are kind of hateful words and we can devote, we can, can we can accomplish our goal of helping immigrants by giving to other Organization, organizations, and then the delegates in the the all the I think all of the Jewish senators in the Maryland Senate, uh-huh. and then a whole raft of Jewish members of the House of Delegates have written a letter and said, "There, you know, taxpayer dollars do not need to go to this." Now the ACLU is threatening to file a suit, and no one says taxpayer dollars don't have to go to. It. There's nothing written that says it has to go to this. And yeah. the guy's now like, oh, I'm apologizing. I'm I'm learning from the Jewish community. Oh, but uh, yes, but the other side of that is if you are already predisposed to not liking Jewish people and you are fearful of this invisible quote unquote Jewish power, this right. is Jewish exactly. power and money at play. You took the you took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. So it's really it's actually a conundrum for. Jewish members of the state legislature for this, uh, what's it called, for this foundation that pulled their money, because anti-Semites can say, look, the Jews are just trying to control what we say and what right. we think. Right, the Jews and are was, silencing the debate. And right, we, and there was a... We hear that in, an, increasingly, uh, an increasing amount of times. We're hearing that now. Look, a hundred Harvard professors signed a letter that essentially, essentially said this. Um, because the donor pressure on Harvard, because yeah. Harvard has a has a, all kinds of problems. Harvard has many, many problems. In any event, um, so you know, and, and so it's quite it's it's actually an interesting phenomenon. I don't remember in the past pressure on organizations, whether it's NGOs or and to take a stand on something that they're not really connected to. Um, yeah, well, and I, I, I will say this. I will say this, that the, the, the CASA guy 
should be probably been more sensitive to the fact that Jewish community is made up of, you know, we can all trace back to like Ellis Island and so on and so forth. And, and that he got money from a family foundation controlled by a prominent Jewish family. I don't know. I find the whole thing. I found, I found what, what they did on Twitter disturbing. Um, and it was just, I, I think there, it sounds to me like there's a lot of pressure, like also from other progressive groups to be like, to show that you're like down with the program. Yeah, but there's still a way to do that without right, of course. alienating. And there's a way to do it without saying, I'm not saying anything. Well, there right. are there, ways to meet, to have like a nuanced statement where you can, exactly. we can all agree that innocent lives should not be taken. I feel well, like I, that's a baseline. Like everybody can get on board with that. It's what I started to say to everybody at the beginning of this conflict, that you can you can believe two very important things at the same time that the uh, terrorist attacks on civilians, Israeli civilians on October seventh, was horrifying and terrible and, and worthy right. of nation. and that the protection of civilian life in the Gaza Strip is extraordinarily important, and the 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 the, the killing of civilians in the Gaza Strip is worthy of con- condemnation. Yes. I mean, but, like, let's well, that's, talk about that's, that's a no brainer. This, the, this guy went on the ri- on the you know the river to the sea, settler colonial state. Well, again, again, if you if you cannot accept the first premise, which is that right. it was a terrorist attack and right. that innocent civilians are not legitimate targets. If right. you can't accept that because you say Israel is a settler colonial state and all right. settlers are fair game. Well, I mean, no this, was, talking to you about. this was no ba- this is basically though the Hamas view and the view of you know one of the most prominent he's since died one of the most prominent preachers in the Arab world Sheikh Yusuf Al Qardawi who had a program on Al Jazeera his view was all Israelis at some point serve in the IDF therefore right. they are legitimate, legitimate legitimate targets yeah and then you get it's a it's a you know a short hop from there to this past week on TikTok. Where people are saying, you know, Bin Laden was right about the Jews. Bin Laden. Now bin Laden. we are, we are looking at Osama bin Laden for his opinions about Jews. Right. Like we've now there is something into some bizarre you know, world. It's, right. This well, is absolutely this, everything is crazy. Everything is crazy. the The fact of the matter is, is that if it's you know, in TikTok, where you know this is people getting their news from TikTok is so outrageous. The fact of the matter is, is that Osama bin Laden was, you know, pretty open about the fact that he was in part radicalized by U.S. policy towards the Middle East and towards support for Israel during the October 1973 war. And he did make all of these statements about Palestine and so on and so forth. But he was not fighting. He was not. He didn't attack the United States. He did not try to bring down the Egyptian state and the Saudi state and other states because of Palestine. No. That's just a ridiculous thing to say. And but yet now we have dummies. Just dummies. Yes, absolute morons. But again, absolute. if you're making common cause with Osama bin Laden and right. Hamas, you need to reconsider your views. Well, but I mean, this is the thing, is that what and this is, you know, young people 
yeah. are learning on college campuses is that this is a settler colonial state. It's an apartheid state. It's illegitimate. Therefore, any right. means necessary. Right, right. And this is a war against the West. It's a right. And, and I hate it's to sound like West. this. Right. I hate I mean, to sound like it's a war against white people, but it kind of feels like, you know, non-white people but, can do no wrong and white people can do no right. Well, it was. That's what it feels of, like. It's sort of interesting how Jews and Israelis have come full circle. According to the Nazis, Jews were impure. Yeah. Now, according to people who propagate these ideas, Jews are white oppressors. Jews can never win. I think we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks. Um, yet, 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 the big grievance is that Jews always do win because they've rigged so the that's system because the of their wealth. We, we personally feel as if we are aggrieved, yet everybody right. else feels that we are oppressing them somehow. Well, I, here's the other thing that's been bothering me throughout part of this. I mean, there's two things. There's one, everybody wants to tell us what is anti-Semitism. Oh, no, like, nobody I, else gets to tell us that. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. It's like, uh, you can't, I, I would never tell an African-American, right. you know. Exactly. No, no, that's not racist. That's not racist. Exactly. I would never tell, I would never tell them, oh, that's not Islamophobic. Oh, right. I wouldn't say that. Oh, that's not, that's not Anti homophobic. Right, exactly. But meanwhile, meanwhile, people say, oh, no, you're, that's not, that's not anti-Semitic. Crazy, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. Again, and we're supposed to accept that. Again, because we don't fit into any proper category. Right. So we're excluded from all of them. We are our own separate entity. Well, so I and, and isn't that the vibe you're picking up from like every Jew that you talk to? Like it's time to take care of our own kind of thing. It's de there's definitely a strong vibe of fear, and you know I'm I'm sure you've seen this also, but it's kind of bothering me when I'm hearing people who I feel like are closer to where we are politically, who are now telling me that they're watching Fox News to find out what's going on in Israel and Gaza, because that's the only source that they are, that they have come to trust. Right. That's, that's a well, it, I, it, it, again, since I haven't really been watching a lot, I did, I did, I did watch, I was flipping channels and I actually landed on Anderson Cooper the other night. Uh-huh. And he, he like full on covered Israel, how Israelis were feeling about this. He was very, very sensitive. And then they did a story about Palestinians. I thought I didn't think it was so like horrifying or imbalanced or anything like that. I was because I was like braced. I'm like, oh my god, what I've, I've landed. All right, professional responsibility. I got to watch this and whatever. Well, and I was like, I don't understand like what the issue is here. That's because the Jews dominate the media, <laughs> and you're getting what they what they want you to see. I do, yeah. I do yeah. want to point out one They're thing. Stifling uh, real debate. Yeah. I, well, I do want to point out one thing because you know, nuance is obviously lost in everything. And we and we we were just talking about the um we, we've been talking about the fact that you know people don't recognize Israeli civilians as civilians, and it's because it's been Israel's been defined as this settler colonial illegitimate apartheid state, and that. Jews in response have been like, oh my God, you know, shake, shake to our core. October 7th, the single largest massacre of Jews since the, since the Holocaust kind of thing. And that's like completely, I think people have responded to this in this, this extraordinarily, you know, people are fearful. 
like I said, there's a sense of solidarity and, and so on and so forth. But I also think in this kind of lack of nuanced environment that we're in, and there's like demands to make a statement and the statements can't have any nuance in them and so on and so forth. We've lost our humanity. And, you know, in, in watching footage of what's happening in the Gaza Strip, you see Palestinians streaming out of the northern Gaza Strip seeking safety in the southern part of it. And for Palestinians and for Arabs, this is also, this shakes them to the core because it's like 1948 and 1967. It's like the Nakba. Uh, Palestinians being dispossessed. You know, you've, you've heard the, you've heard the reporters say they've never, they, you know, devastation in Gaza. It's totally uninhabitable at this point. It has to, I know it does. I know it has a similar kind of shaking people to their core kind of thing. I think that's also one of the reasons why, yeah. is, at least in the Arab American community and Arabs in, in the Middle East, there's so much. Because everybody ah, sees history repeating itself. Really is, right. Everybody lives these traumas that have been experienced by previous generations. It's part of Palestinian DNA. It's part of right, Jews right, DNA. Jews DNA. Right. We have, we have been conditioned to, we know these stories since we're kids. Right. Since we're kids, right? I right. can't even remember when I first heard about the Holocaust because it's always been with always, me. Right, right. And, the and same, it's the same thing. It's the same Palestinians have yes. always heard about the Nakba. So, yes, I, I research suffering. Is, we're all suffering from PTSD. All my 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 wonderful research associate wrote a piece. She's been, you know, she's family in 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 Israel. She's family in Ramallah and friends in Gaza and so on. And so on. She wrote this piece about what it's like to be a Palestinian American. And I was like, this is really, really good. And it's going to be in the Los Angeles times. Nice. At the end of the week, it captures these ideas and the parallels to yeah. do are like unmistakable. I didn't want to say, I didn't want to say that to her or anything like that. But when you read the piece, you're going to say, Oh my God, first of all, this is incredibly moving. And secondly, I relate to this. And that's the problem because there are two narratives that both have validity. Both right. of them have validity. And we can acknowledge that. And it doesn't hurt how valid our side right. is. It doesn't. But that's the problem. This is a war. And right. in times of war, people retreat into their own tribe. Right. And we are, everybody is circling the wagons. And people want to know, are right. you a friend or are you a foe? Right, right. And there right. are two camps. And there is no room for those of us who want to a acknowledge that the other camp has rights and right. has legitimacy do, too. Do you know that's, that's, that's where we are stuck right to now. To get out of this binary world yesterday, I did something that I never, ever do. I watched a college football game. Boy. And I was like, wow, all of these people at the Maryland-Michigan game don't, at this moment at least, only care about Maryland versus Michigan. They're not obsessing about, and I was sort of jealous. Okay, that's, look, I, I get it, but let's say it was a Michigan-Michigan State game. Yeah. Okay, the tensions on both sides would be a lot higher. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And while people may not be thinking about Israelis and Palestinians in that moment, some of them are acting like them. Yeah, right. I was on the campus of Michigan State University several years ago. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I told you this story. And I encountered a man sitting in a beach chair, in a folding chair, 
yeah camp camped out in front of the sparty statue yeah, yeah the, the sparty the, statue i saw at it. the yeah. stadium at michigan state yeah and it's a monday morning all yeah. right and this man with all due respect did not look like he had first of all he was older okay and he did not look like he had attended any college <laughs> okay so i walked over and i said what are you doing here he said i'm protecting the statue because there, there was were a acts, there were acts of vandalism on both campuses where people would deface property in the lead up to the big game. So isn't that part of like the college tradition? Like of course, you steal like, the, the yes the, the, the other mascot, the mascot and whatever. Right. But to like put throw paint on the Magic Johnson statue at Michigan State or to right. you know defecate on Sparty or what have you. This is. This is the tribalistic kind of behavior yeah. that we're talking about. So it's that's the binary. You're either a friend or you're a foe. And I, if you need to protect a fucking statue on a campus that up. you never went to because of some you know, strange <laughs> sense of obligation to this thing, like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? So, yes, you could watch Michigan against Maryland and sort of say, like, oh, I have no dog in this fight and it's all good. Right. But, you know, people have gotten hurt and worse at various sporting events around the world when rivalries get out of control. So I think the bottom line is, even if you're watching, you know, football on Thanksgiving or you're rooting for your favorite country in the, you know, in whatever war they happen to be in, let's recognize nice. that there are two sides to every And everybody's story. human. Well, most people are. No. Yes, but we do have to. We do have to remember shared our shared humanity. Yeah, we do. I'm, we've completely lost. We do, and, and we have lost that. We have lost that. So when people say like, "Well, you can't trust the numbers," when when the Palestinians tell you these are the number of people killed in in Gaza, oh, I don't trust that number at all. Right. You have to sort of at some <laughs> point acknowledge that tens of thousands, or you know, over ten thousand people, people have been killed. killed. And when you say that, well, any Israeli who was killed deserved it because by any means necessary or from the river right. to the sea, it's like, no, you so, have to acknowledge that raping women is wrong right. and killing people and children. We have, we have to say that. Yes, but we do. Fucking nuts. But we do. It's nuts. Um, <sighs> but that's the reality, unfortunately, that we're living in. So if you are going to choose a side in any battle, maybe it should be a lower stakes thing like the Michigan, Michigan State thing. <laughs> like I said, I was kind of jealous. Well, anyway, all right, all right. So we. Have what are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful that um, that we're still here, that we're still doing our podcast. I'm thankful that my family is healthy, and that we'll all be together for the holidays. That's and very nice. I'm hopeful that um, the war will come to an end soon. That hostages will be released. And that yeah. innocents will not be killed on either side. Well, I can say that I'm thankful for all the same things that you're thankful for. Family, that we'll be together. Everybody's healthy. I'm not as hopeful that innocents won't be killed, but we can we can hope. Well, that's all we can do. Right. All we can do is remember our shared humanity on Thanksgiving. That's a good one. All right. All right. Happy Thanksgiving to all who Happy celebrate. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Doesn't uh, everybody celebrate Thanksgiving? Not out of this country.
I'm sure that there are some people who feel that this is just a holiday commemorating when we took all of the land from the Native Americans. Yeah. So by any means necessary, does that include like, so if Native Americans decided to, they wanted Manhattan back, that we would be legitimate targets living here? Well, there's all these land statements in like, you know, the Jewish Museum, the New Jewish Museum in Washington has a land statement and stuff like that. It's kind of so we acknowledge we acknowledge right. it so oh on. right i mean it seems crazy oh we acknowledge it then what nothing nothing anyway all right it's a topic for another another episode maybe it is and maybe it is all right later happy thanksgiving happy